0: Hi, and welcome to Your Owen Podcast, podcast for the Ontario Animal Health Network, and quick and handy tips for veterinarians on the go. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, Owen Coordinator. Today we're joined again by Dr. Scott Weiss, Boarded Veterinary Internal Medicine Specialist from the Ontario Veterinary College. We're going to be continuing our conversation about managing risk with raw food diets from an infectious disease perspective. If you haven't checked out Part 1 of this series, make sure you scroll down to hear the first part of this podcast on on the Podbean page. Or in, your, uh, or in your feed. Thanks again for joining us, Scott. What are the top three issues uh, with raw food uh, that vets should address with pet yeah. owners when they're coming in for an appointment?
1: Yeah, the three big concerns that should be addressed are pathogens, nutritional adequacy, and foreign bodies. And really the, the first thing to think about is Is raw feeding appropriate for the household? And maybe not. Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Because it's easier to define the situations when it's not appropriate because of pathogen risks or nutritional balance risks or the ability of the owners to do it right. So young animals, other high-risk animals, then we should take raw off the list. If we've got owners that are high-risk, we should take raw off the list. And if we have owners that want to do it themselves but don't have the time, effort, energy, money to put into it properly, then they shouldn't be doing it. If you've got situations where you have low-risk animals, low-risk people, and owners that are going to buy a well-formulated commercial product or put a lot of time and effort into their own, then the focus is, okay, let's avoid those problems, or at least let's reduce the risk of those problems with some common sense.
0: So how would people go about getting a nutritional analysis of these raw food diets?
1: Commercial products should be able to provide, ideally provide some nutritional analysis. Um, Some that are standardized and well formulated will have that on the label. Some will be able to provide it. Some will say their diets vary so much batch to batch because it's the all natural approach. They don't do that, which is a concern because it means they don't really know what's going in and you don't know what's going in. If you're making diets yourselves, then it's very difficult because you probably have that batch-to-batch variation unless you use an exact formula and you know that the product going into that is exactly the same because one batch of ground beef can be different than another if you're not buying a standardized product. It's very difficult to interpret that type of analysis. There are companies that will provide nutritional analysis, um, but does doing one analysis of a diet that varies over the course of the year really guide you in managing your animal? It's hard to say.
0: Yeah, so maybe yeah, it depends on the suppose the cost and the willingness of the owner to continue to yeah. test on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, Okay, and then how is there a good way to kind of broach the topic of possible nutrition concerns with owners that in in a way that's non-confrontational? Yeah, sometimes. Tapping into your art of veterinary medicine skills here. Yeah.
1: Sometimes <laughs> it's a challenge, and part of it depends on why people are feeding a raw diet. Some people are feeding a raw diet because they're anti-big industry. They mm-hmm. think the pet food industry is doing bad things. Um, So that's an emotional decision. Some are doing it because they think a raw diet has conferred health effects on their animal. They've had a dog with allergies and they've switched to a raw food and the allergies have gone away. That's a medical issue. So we can think about okay, how to manage that animal's disease with that raw food diet or with another diet that can do the same thing. Um, some people approach nutrition thinking that veterinarians don't know anything about it or veterinarians are bought out by the pet food industry. If you look online, there are lots of stories about that. And that's, again, another difficult one where it's hard to reason with someone who's going in with, with a kind of a biased perception. So it's understanding why they're feeding raw. Is it something that they think is interesting and they want to do something different? Is it because the breeder told them to without really understanding what the issues are? Is it because their friends do it or is it because... A health reason or an emotional reason. So identifying that, I think, is the first step, if you know why. So someone's coming in with a raw-fed animal. The first question is, okay, well, why are you feeding it that? In a, just a general you know conversational approach, it's because, okay, well, we had problems and we switched. And now he's doing really well. Okay, great. So maybe we'll keep doing that. But if you want to get off the raw diet for other reasons, then we can look at an elimination diet trial we can look at a diet that's got similar antigen We're doing
0: the same thing but cooking it or
1: something. yeah we can try cooking the diet we can try going on a diet that's also designed to be a limited antigen diet or a hydrolyzed protein diet uh, or we can maybe transition you from the raw food you're on now to one that has more afco adequacy statements or feeding trials and ideally one that's high pressure pasteurized so if you want to stay on the raw that's fine let's maybe get you on a raw food that's got a little more quality control and it's a little bit safer if it's someone that's coming in they're feeding raw because you know the breeder told them to then it's probably a young animal that's made the discussion okay well here are the issues that can go on if you have got a large breed dog in particular and you're feeding a diet that you really don't know the nutritional composition of here are the problems you can have down the road yeah a lot of orthopedic issues so here's why we want to transition you to something else and the infectious disease issues and knowing the household is important too we need to think about the whole the holistic approach meaning that the one medicine and the one health approach where This may be a healthy 30-year-old comes in. The dog may be a healthy 4-year-old dog that looks great, but maybe grandma lives there and she's 85-year-old type 2 diabetic with cancer, or maybe they've got a baby on the way or a baby in the household or something else that complicates the situation. And then we need to talk about, okay, is feeding raw appropriate for this household? And then it's not just saying, okay, you can't feed raw because that's not going to work. You have to explain why and give them options and if they really want to feed raw let's get them to a safer approach let's get them to a diet that has a lower risk and let's give them some information that shows them the basic things they can do or things that they may not think about the food bowl it could be contaminated if they've got an infant they want to make sure the infant doesn't play in the food bowl which is not that uncommon they want to make sure the countertops and things things like that are clean how do they handle the food all the little basic things that can be done. And it's a good conversation because when we get to that point, we're helping them do something they want to do, and yeah. we're not trying to transition them off it if we, we know they don't want to transition off a of raw diet. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, and then uh, risks of raw diets in young and growing animals. We talked a little bit about orthopedic stuff. What about with, um, with older animals as well, um, things like liver disease or kidney disease? Are there concerns with those diets as well?
1: well? With older animals or animals with problems such as early kidney disease, certainly there are issues. We want to control a lot more their their intake of various components of the diet. So an animal that's sick, an animal that's getting older, we see a lot of animals as they age, they develop early problems with renal function. And could be on a raw diet but it maybe doesn't have the level of protein we want for them um, and there are various other things we'd pay attention to so there are animals with health issues and age issues where maybe they've done fine on a raw diet for a long time and maybe we need to transition just like with a commercial diet they may have done fine on a general adult diet for most of their life now they're getting to be a senior now we've got some decreasing renal function or concern about that we're going to transition them to a different commercial diet it's hard to do that with the raw diet because we've got the adult diet And then we don't have the medical diets to go along with that. So once we get an animal that would say, okay, if you were on an adult commercial diet, we'd want to transition you to a a special diet. If you're on a raw food, then we probably need to transition you off the raw food and then onto the specialty diet because we can't control some of those um, ingredients or some of those nutrient levels like we should.
0: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Now, just to circle back a little bit about... um Um, about meat quality and where this meat is coming from, from all of these sort from these raw food companies. So do you know anything about that?
1: Uh, Source of food, it's a big question and it really varies. I've certainly seen pictures of some raw foods that have been sold where they've got, you know, the animals or the the, the brand name and the nice picture in the bottom unfit for human consumption on it. And, and and that doesn't necessarily mean it's dangerous food, but understanding where it comes from. Some raw food products are gonna be made from the same source food that you're gonna get in the grocery store. Some people are making it from food they buy in the grocery store. Uh, but we don't know where it's all coming from. So, again, talking to the company, what is the source of their animal? Where is the source of the food? What's the quality control that goes into it so that you can be assured of the safety?
0: Um, all right, and then I guess um, looking about um, sources of information for, um, for owners, what, are there some good places that people could find um, solid information, both for vets to direct their owners to and for owners to look at?
1: Yeah, good information about raw food or nutrition in general can be really variable because there's a lot of emotion out there and there are a lot of websites and there's a lot of misinformation about pet food in general. A lot of it's based on anecdotes um, or just downright false information. So it, it is a problem. The more people try to look... Uh, the more they run into problems. And veterinarians are a great resource. A lot of people don't want to go to the veterinarian for this type of information because they think they're biased because they're selling food, although a veterinarian still is an excellent resource. There are nutrition specialist veterinarians. There aren't many of them, but certainly those are ones that can help with specific cases where trying to understand some issues or, or formulate specific diets uh, for an animal. And there are some resources to help figure out how to reduce the risk on that worms and germs blog. We have a fact sheet for raw feeding that says, okay, here's when you probably shouldn't do it, but if you're going to do it, here are the things you can do to reduce the risk. But there's not really a great site you can go to and say, okay, here's my animal and here's its health status. What should I feed it? Because right. it's, it's just something you can't boil down to a couple of questions and here's an answer. It's, it's, it's medicine and it's nutrition and it's, it's a complex area and that's where working with professionals is really what's needed
0: right gotcha um now is there any is there any need for let's say um if you have your pet on raw food should you be looking to you know get some blood work done on a more routine basis or anything like that to check that things are okay or
1: yeah testing for nutritional problems in animals that are fed raw doesn't make a lot of sense to me it's hard to pick those up early um And it's hard to say that a change that you see is really there. I think if you've got a concern that you're feeding your animal this diet and and the concern is enough that you're going to find something on a blood test, then you shouldn't be on that diet. Um, Those types of tests are used diagnostically when we've got disease, and we want to make sure that we're preventing disease. So if we've got an animal that comes in and he's got signs of disease that are associated potentially with nutrition, then we're going to do testing. Routine screening of that isn't going to make sense. Where routine screening probably makes more sense is just like we would do with any other animal. When animals are starting to get older, we start thinking about might they be having early disease that we need to change their diet. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, that might mean changing the protein levels, phosphorus levels, various other things. and Whether they're on a raw diet or commercial diet, it would indicate that we need to change the source. So that's about the main time we're going to think about screening animals.
0: Okay, great. Thanks again for joining us, Scott. Next time on the podcast, we'll be joined by Dr. Adroni Verbrugge, Boarded Veterinary Nutritionist, to talk about considerations for raw food diets from a nutrition perspective. And remember, if you haven't already done so, circle back and listen to the first part of this series with Dr. Weiss for more information about uh, raw food diets from an infectious disease perspective.